I think most of the paths that I've gone on have been strongly influenced by the experiences in my life. In you know, in my teens, I started to experience some challenges with my mental health. Um, I experienced an eating disorder. As, as much as I, you know, had a lot of support as a young person, and my parents were awesome, and they provided a really like warm, loving environment, and you know, gave me gave me the stage to have a lot of self esteem and confidence in myself mm-hmm. and my body. Um, and so, you know, I, it wasn't something that really impacted me or that I, I had too much thought around. But I think over time, getting those messages about like your body and about how, how you should act if you have certain identities or being a woman. And so, you know, I, after this, this tough breakup, right, a 15 year old broken heart, um, (laughs) you know, looking back now, I can understand maybe how the relationship was unhealthy and, and had some characteristics that, that changed maybe the way I started to think about myself and confidence in my body and um, kind of to regain that control. I started to control what I was eating and mm. you know, messages of like, if I just change myself, maybe they'll want me back or they'll love me or more people yeah. will love me. All right. Hello, everybody. My name is Heather Bedell. Welcome to Zen Mama and Everyday Gurus. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here as we continue what I think is a really powerful series called Untaming, interviewing these four young women in my life who are sharing their learned experience and how they're expressing themselves out in the world intentionally and finding meaning and purpose or wrestling around with this journey anyway in a very open way. And I'm so grateful that to have them on. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode. Glad you're here. This will be our first podcast of the new year. And so I'm really excited to be sharing with you someone that's very special in my life as we continue this series. And I've got a handful of people in my inner circle that I've invited onto the podcast just to talk about where they're at as they're beginning their careers or still in their graduate programs, but they're young adults that are, you know, fine in their way. And I'm, I've talked to all of them at various points and I'm just really um, impressed and empowered for all of us that we have these um, younger voices trying to figure out all the change we're going through and their everyday gurus doing amazing things in the world. And, and today I have, Heather Dell with me, who is my niece. And hi, Heather. Hi. Thank you so much. I've been wanting to have you on for quite a while, and I'm glad it worked out today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So Heather um, has many things that she can share with us today. She's going to share her journey, as everyone does, a little bit about who they are and what they're up to. I've known Heather since she was born. (laughs) <laughs> and luckily, we grew up um, in a town away from each other, my kids and hers, and, and definitely spent a lot of time. And it's just been like amazing for me to see how you've um, grown <laughs> from this really um, very playful, very um, outward, fun, young girl that I think you touched a lot of edges, but you didn't push too far through them. But always curious is kind of how I think of you. And um and yeah, just how you've sort of evolved as an adult and, and sought out, I 
from the outside looking in, it seems like things that your path has presented to you and you've dug a little deeper into, not always things that feel um, beautiful, but maybe edgy, but you've em- embraced that. And, and just how you're lighting up the world just by being who you are, but also um, by really, uh, one of the reasons I asked Heather on is there's a lot of change going on in the world right now. And I see Heather just as one of those um, women that are not afraid to look at it head on and to be really curious and know that we don't have the answers, but be willing to educate herself and then begin to start conversations and, and language and speak out. And, and she works with children. So that's exciting to me that sh- they have her in their life. So without getting too far ahead of it, but that's, that's part of why I'm really excited to share Heather with you all today, because I think she's a light in this journey that we're all um, embarking on right now. So Heather, start a little bit, maybe wherever it feels appropriate for you to start, even you can tell some logistics about your life, or you can start where it feels appropriate to share your journey. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for that awesome introduction. Um, Like I said, my name is Heather Bedell. I use she, her pronouns. Um, And I grew up in Vermont, small town Vermont. now living in Vermont with my partner, fiance and our dog, our little fur baby, um, Mm. which is great. And we, you know, we've established a nice little grounding spot for ourselves. Um, So yeah, I grew up and, you know, like you said, I was definitely a spitfire, always curious, always kind of pushing those boundaries and maybe sometimes pushing through a little bit. Um, (laughs) Did, you know, did school, went, went to undergrad, grad school, um, moved around a little bit and then found myself back here. And so currently I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor. I just got licensed this year after finishing state requirements, which is really exciting. The process is definitely definitely long, um, Mm -hmm. rewarding. Yeah, it is long. I, I didn't realize that like you get your education and then you do some, um, clinical, I guess, is that what you call it? You're in, Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then you have, it's a lot of hours, right? That you have to get in before you can become licensed. Yep. Yep. You have to have both kind of direct hours and indirect hours. Um, So it's about two years after you finish your graduate program. I didn't realize that until a friend of mine was going through that. And I, unlike like a lot of things you get done, your education, you you sit for your (laughs) certification. So I don't know, that was interesting and new to me. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting process. And I think, you know, looking back, um, and as we're questioning all systems right now, you know, just thinking about that process, and maybe how that is not, you know, available for all people, and Mm. and just kind of seeing how that shows up in the world after you after you leave a program. Yeah, because you're kind of left, are you left on your own sort of to to get those hours after? Like in your work? Or? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So after you graduate um, and you're doing your clinical internship and then you're you're doing, you know, you're out in the real world, you're you're practicing what you've learned. Um, and so you do need to be uh, supervised mm. throughout that time until you're licensed. I see. But you couldn't really work as a therapist until you're licensed or you can. You can. Oh, yep, OK. You can. Um, I think a lot of practices, especially private practice, don't typically invite individuals who are who are not licensed just because yeah. there's a lot of liability around that um, there's such a huge need right now though 
So maybe that's why you're talking about maybe we should be relooking at that system. Yeah. Our yeah, process. Think, yeah. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. and we know that secondary education costs money, right? And yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, you know, a good chunk of change. And I think we look at the mental health field and um, the you know the salaries of individuals who work in the field and until you're licensed, there's a lot of, there's not much flexibility with that. And so that can mm-hmm. be really challenging and can mm-hmm. definitely push, you know, push people away, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, so you, didn't you get your undergraduate degree in nutrition or, and then your master's in psychology? Is that right? Yeah. So I, I started off at university of Rhode Island, which, you know, going into my kind of my, my story a little bit. Um, I started at the university of Rhode Island going for dietetics and then okay. ended up transferring to UVM and going for nutrition and food science and ended up um, claiming a minor of psychology. Um, you okay. know, things shifted in my life where I, I found mental health, the mental health field to be really interested in and something mm-hmm. that I was wanting to pursue. And so from there, you know, thinking about future steps. Um, yeah. Hopefully opening some more doors to being able to, to make movement in the mental health field. I feel like just about everyone should get a minor in psychology these days, <laughs> quite honestly, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, understanding the complexities of humans and the human mind and ourselves is, is such a feat. And I think that we all, right, experience mental health. We all have mental health. And so it's so important that we understand that and we understand mm-hmm. not only ourselves, but other people. And so that we can show up in the world and in relationships a little bit more understanding and and I'm having skills to navigate that, which I think yeah. has certainly helped me with my mental health and navigating myself and the world and relationships. Um, so I definitely encourage anyone to, to explore their own mental health for sure. Yeah. Even if we had continuing education courses that, I mean, even yeah. in medicine, I see how there's such a need. You'd think like physicians in particular would have gotten training in, in human behavior, but they don't. <laughs> you know, yeah. and also like there's a huge issue around mental health and addiction and suicides with healthcare providers, and part of it is, I think that needs to be more integrated into them understanding what their needs are and being able to unarmor mm-hmm. um, and take care of themselves, which we're often not very encouraged to do. Yeah, oh, which certainly. I like. What's that? I said, oh, certainly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people like Brené Brown have certainly helped us a lot being able to, I think, understand that interconnectedness that's necessary um, at every level, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are so many resources out there for people and not only continuing education, they're free resources. And, and, you know, I know Brené Brown is definitely a big individual in that realm, um, but there are so many other people who Mm -hmm. have specialize in different areas and are experts um and who, you can certainly even like on social media gain access to that yeah I'm thinking of her just because I just I just got her new book which actually has like I don't know 82 different emotions and she just has sort of peeled apart a little more um I'll, I'll, you know what they kind of a little deeper dive on all of them like our sense of belonging and anger and fear and you know, just because I think she did an original study that showed um, she followed people. um, I forget, like thousands of people, she always gets really big studies. 
And basically people narrowed down their emotional experiences to three things. I think Mm -hmm. it was mad, sad, or glad Glad. kind of. Yeah. And so then she realized, and I I just love that what she shares and maybe others do, but I just happened to be reading hers about how language is so important to us understanding our journey and understanding, being able to express all the things that we go through and how like that can be so healing, you know? And I think understanding also like what's behind our emotions and, and, and there was a section on, on belonging. And she actually took a group of eighth grade kids and asked them, what's the difference between, oh, I hope I remember this, either a sense of belonging or being accepted or, and one was basically like a fitting in, oh, it was belonging or fitting in and fitting in was a lot of them, you know, talked about like being aligning with other people's agendas kind of and um and then belonging a lot of them most all of them talked about um, being accepted by their parents it was really interesting yeah 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 so one of the things so in the work that i'm doing now um i we I co-facilitate this class called skills, skills for life. And so we primarily work with fifth graders. You know, we have a consistent schedule of being in the classroom with fifth graders. Um, We also do work with the five through eight, um, but specifically in skills for life with fifth graders at the beginning of every class, each student is given a mood meter. And so it's essentially this chart of different feelings. And so Every day we ask the students to identify like one to three emotions that they're experiencing. And there's 52 plus emotions on the mood meter. And so okay. it's great because these kids, these yeah. kids are developing these skills to be able to explore more than those kind of three common sad, mad, glad, which yeah. most adults, you know, that's kind of their range of expressing themselves and their emotions. And so mm-hmm. it's great because these students are given this opportunity to explore different sides of themselves and different emotions and that you can be experiencing more more than one thing at one time. Um, I think that's like, huge right yeah. there for us yeah. to know that it's not either or, right? And I just, mm-hmm. that just like thrill makes me so happy inside, <laughs> you know, when I know that kids at that level, at that age are, are learning that are, I mean, tell me, tell me about like the importance you know of in just being able to identify those things and how that helps people's mental health. Or yeah. Feeling. Yeah. I mean, our, our emotions, like our motives, our experiences with ourselves are so impacted by the way that we're feeling. I mean, we're feeling 24 seven, there's always something going on in our body. And I think our emotions can help us identify like, when I'm experiencing this motion, what do I notice about myself? What do I notice with my body? How am I connecting with my body? How does this emotion impact what I'm doing? What, how does it impact my thoughts? How I'm acting? Is there a connection between when I'm experiencing this motion and my actions and maybe consequences mm-hmm. of those actions? Mm-hmm. And so it gives them the opportunity to be able to self-reflect, to slow down, to be in the here and now, and really check in with themselves and build a relationship with their emotions and their body and yeah. the way that they're connected for them in the world. Let's talk about that for a minute, that whole idea, because I feel like people spend most of their time from the shoulders up and that they are really just disconnected to like this intelligence that our body has, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And so do you, is it, do you think it's different in kids? Like, do you think that it's something we get conditioned to do over time? Do you think they start in their bodies more? 
or I don't know with technology, everything's pulling us out more and more, but I, I wonder, or maybe it's easier for them to go back in than some adults. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I, and, to be and my, yeah. And my anecdotal experience is kids have so much more availability to be with their emotions and to be acting on their emotions and, and sometimes right at least those consequences. And then we, we help make the connection for students with, with their actions and their emotions and their thoughts. Yeah. But I do think that over time, like we, you know, as our prefrontal cortex is developing, we're developing those skills to think about decision-making and consequences. I think sometimes we stop, we start tuning out to our bodies and our emotions. Instead, like you said, we're kind of thinking with the shoulders up um, and really in our heads a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So much. I was actually going for a walk today with a dog. And I had an event with the kids yesterday that was taking a lot of my energy, like something that happened. And so I realized as I was walking along, like how busy the conversation in my head was, you know, the weighing out and the comparisons. And, and so I, for a moment, and, you know, I'm someone that practices mindfulness, but I've really, I, I kind of went to that place of practicing to re- receiving, like, cause all that head work, what I do in my head really drains me like it pulls my energy away and so I stopped and I'm like okay Mary use all your senses and take in everything and realize you're receiving right realize that when you're doing that it's bringing your energy back right rather than like sucking it out of you yeah Yeah. especially as we go on in life and you attach like uh, things I go through now I had you know this is my second set of children so it's like I'm it's hard for me not to attach it onto other outcomes right and yeah. so I'm just I continue to look for those opportunities to come into my body use all my senses as a way to come home to myself yeah, yeah. yeah. just sharing that as a sideline because I know it's hard sometimes to sit and just be present so sometimes we just have to take in you know, it, acutely with our eyes and our ears, right? And our nose and our feet. Yeah. Anyway. That's something that I'm continuing to work on in my personal yeah. life. Um, you know, I'm definitely a heady person. And I think yeah. through my experiences, you know, trusting, trusting your body is not always, doesn't always feel safe for people. I think through right, those messages or our lived experiences. And so, reconnecting with your body, even though it can feel vulnerable and sometimes even unsafe, like mm-hmm. it, it makes such a huge difference in just being present, like you said, and in the moment, um, mm-hmm. because we can't change the past. We can't control the future. You know, the here and now is, is what we have guaranteed. And that's so all we got, that's all we got, right? Like that's, that's it. That's where we're at. And so I know. It's, it's really powerful to, to do that. And it's such hard work. Like it's not easy. It's not. To be And I also, I mean, back to the body image thing, like, I do think it's very true, um, especially, well, all of life, and I can only speak for women, because that's my path. But it's such an up and down relationship that we have with our bodies, you know, this idea of self love and, and practicing that it's, um, there's, there's a lot of obstacles that get in our, our way around that, which is, um, you know, I guess begins when you're in school, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even before then, I think. Yeah. Just in how we, how we um, tag things as good, bad, pretty, ugly, right? Mm -hmm. 
belonging, mm-hmm. not belonging. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that kind of comes back to our language, even that we use as parents, as teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, I think kids are so influenced by what's being modeled to them, even at a young age, even at the age of one to like birth, you know, you're, you're taking in all the external information that's going on and it is impacting you. It's molding you. Um, it's, you know, it's telling you your story, your experience. Mm-hmm. And I know I see like, um, I mean, so much is changing. Like I see it with Ella who's nine and what she, but so much isn't too. She still has the conflicts at a young age in school around judgment and belonging and not belonging because of external perceptions of how you look or what, you know, you know, it's that that's, I guess, still going to always exist to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think, you know, to move a little bit into like all the change that's happening, I mean, I think, I feel like um, part of all that we're learning is opening our lens this is how I feel anyway. And I'll be curious how you feel. And I'll just preempt any of this conversation that Heather and I have is that our perceptions and what we're learning. We by no means either of us feel like we're experts, but we just want to have this com- these conversations around the change, because if we don't, then we're not going to figure out the right way to move forward or many right ways or whatever. No. So no one take offense, please. And um, if we come upon some subjects that feel edgy or uncomfortable, please take care of yourself and do what you need to do um, as far as staying with us or not. Um, But I do think that unless I'm, I'm having you here because you're young and I know you're digging into this, me at 56, I also am very curious and trying to understand Um, And it brings up a lot of discomfort about existing relationships I have, about um, the more I learn, the more I have to be, like, unpack my bag first of understanding um, and of what I thought was um, being open and, um, you know, non-prejudiced and, you know, but I, I think the more I've learned, the more confused I am (laughs) and also the more I realize again I guess I'm going to go back to I guess it's words and actions like trying to to parent even kids and knowing how to how to share the right language and support them in a way that um, gives them the right lens Um, I don't know I kind of I guess I guess part of it is concerning to me that we we some of us are opening up and trying to understand and trying to inform some just won't right and sometimes we're living with those people or are in partnership with them right or work with them or have been good friends with them and I think between from the me too movement to you know the black lives matter to even the virus and who's getting Mm -hmm. vaccinated and who isn't like, it's just brought up so many differences and it's really, I don't know. I'd be curious about how you feel for me. It's really me ask me to work hard to really understand why I feel the way I do, why I've stood for the things that I thought I've stood for, you know, like I've always felt really strongly about empowering my, the girls in my family that I've raised and myself to be able to stand on my own, but also be able to, you know, be in partnership, but not, you know, like I grew up, I think in that generation of just emerging into like the feminist movement, I guess that's what was happening at the time. 
Um, but it still very conf- was very confusing, like a yeah. foot in each world, right? And now I feel like we've just jumped about a mile ahead. And mm-hmm. it's been great and empowering, but also it's unsteady ground for us and for, I think, yeah. the men in our life too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, and I, I just want to add like a caveat. If there is anything that's said or, you know, a conversation that we have or anything like that, that someone who's listening, you know, has feedback on. And once again, we're always here to learn. And so yeah. please, please give that feedback. Um, 100%. Yeah. Thanks, Heather. Yeah. Um, you know, I think since a young age, I've been aware of different pressures on like different people and aware that there have been indifferences and discrimination and oppression. Um, and I think about when I was young, you know, just some of those, some of the pushback that I gave as a person. And I think holding some of the identities that I do, um, you know, I think since a young age, it's something that I've been slightly aware of, um, Mm. which is interesting because I don't, I can't like pinpoint exactly what time or what information I had to be thinking about these things. And that's not to say that I've been, aware of everything I certainly am not and um I think because of some of the power and privilege that I hold that's just or some of us hold with our identities we haven't had to face these experiences and so some of us are experiencing them at at 56 or even older than that and so and it's usually when it impacts us right when we when something is hitting us in the face or we're, we're experiencing that friction or that conflict that's usually when we start to experience or notice things or if it's when we are are impacting the people that we love, that we care about, I think that that's when we start to think about things a little bit differently too. Um, not to say that that's right or that's that's okay. It's just I think is how it is for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think we are as a society, you know, pretty involved with ourselves. Not necessarily a bad thing, but I think that opening up and looking around us isn't always something that we do or that we think about. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, I just think about, you know, similarly with you, it, women's rights and being given equal space, being given a seat at the table, a voice at the table is something that's always been really important to me. Actually, mm-hmm. senior year of high school, I ended up <laughs> participating in this like male pageant. Um, right. And so for years, our high school had done something called, well, I'm not going to say, it, but it was this like male pageant where senior male identified individuals would compete to become like the the, the class, Mr. Cougar of that year. And so mm-hmm. I was like, wait a second, like there's never been one of these for, for women. And so mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to participate in it and um, didn't win, but that was just something that it wasn't a thought for me. I was like, this isn't okay. Like I want to do this thing. And um, of course, you know, I, I had the confidence and self-esteem at that time to, yeah. <laughs> to that. Um, I do they, remember you know, that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, well, like, what's interesting to me is I knew you did that, but I, it wasn't obvious to me why you did that. So that's awesome. <laughs> like yeah. it just, you know what I mean? Like you did it in a way that was, you weren't, you didn't cause a lot of, um, you know, you weren't trying to be explosive. You were just like, yeah. I can belong to this. And, and you, and you did. Yeah. 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 And you never know when that will change something. Right. There's right. many ways to bring about change. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I certainly, you know, as a adolescent was not afraid to speak out and stand up. And, and I don't think it was ever consciously like, I'm going to do this because F the patriarchy. I think it was yeah. just like, hey, let's all have an opportunity to, to do something that we want to do. Yeah, I do. I do love that about you. Um, you know, I, I it's good to have every type of approach 
you know, <laughs> but it's definitely an approach that is open. And um, again, I think you bring that curiosity instead of, you know, wall building, which is not um, helpful usually, you know? Yeah. yeah. But sometimes necessary, but I just appreciate, I guess I'm just saying, I appreciate how you come in. It invites others to the table. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is, you know, is so important when having tough conversations with people or calling people out and in is like, usually when people are feeling like they are being, you know, accused of something or there's a combativeness to it. I think people's defenses go up and they become defensive and mm-hmm. it's usually met with maybe some resistance. And I think that there's a way of approaching situations where it can be like caring and compassionate and sometimes not, sometimes it's not safe to have those conversations with people, especially if you hold certain identities. And so mm-hmm. it really is an act of like, is this a situation where I can have these conversations? I can push, I can, you know, provide some information if they're open to that. If not, then maybe this isn't the person um, and I think you can still say something like, Ooh, like what you just said, like that, that didn't feel good. That, that mm-hmm. wasn't right. I'm just wondering what you meant by that. Um, and then other people are like, yo, that was racist. Let's talk mm-hmm. about that. Um, and so I think that it's, you know, it's defining those moments. And for me, it's that I'm going to call people out and in, in any space and situation that I'm in, um, as long as it's safe, right? If, if there's mm-hmm. a sense of unsafety, I think we talk about as being women or holding marginalized identities, some situations aren't safe for us to be having those conversations. And mm-hmm. pushing, pushing I think that is a hard gauge for a lot of us right now, though. And I think that there's a lot of fear. Um, you know, and I, I just want to say this, um, and others may feel the same way, but I, I, I've, I've heard this from other women too. It's just hard to know. It's just hard to know sometimes when it's safe or not, or when it's appropriate or not. I think that's the edge that we're kind of playing with. And I, I hear what you're saying. And I, I like, um, I tend to put things out in a really cautious way. Like I, I, I will tend to sort of bring it up, but more, um, keeping it broad and open so that it can be pushed back or it can be pulled in. Right. And I'm not, I don't know that that's the the right way, but I don't feel like I have a strong enough knowing of any of this, quite honestly, like what I think I've learned so far in the last couple of years is that because I did think that I was um, just open to all people and all, all opinions and all, beliefs, you know, just like open and curious and left space for it. And I was actually uh, meeting with um, someone who I I said, I just hold space for it. And he said, well, that's really, that's good. But actually, that's not really enough to just hold space. And that sort of got me to this place of understanding that if if I'm not being active in it, I'm all I'm supporting the old ways of being that, um, you know, should be broken down. And, and and I guess that's different for everybody's opinion on that. Um, but if we want to move change in a positive way, um, then we have to be moving <laughs> or, or driving it somehow, you know, and so that's my curiosity. Like, when I, when I, you know, I'd love to hear from you, like, or and maybe you're already unfolding it. And it's just sort of that, 
the language you've already shared today and your idea of um, sort of beginning to have this pulse of when it's safe to call in or call out and knowing how you're going to sort of approach that. And I mean, I don't know, have you like connected with like-minded people? Has it, what has helped you to sort of embrace that and, and move forward in a way that feels more a lot, most aligned with your discomfort? Cause you kind of have to be aligned with your discomfort, right? Right. Certain, which is, yeah. Which is hard. It's really yeah. hard. Um, yeah. And I think there's so many factors that have, you know, gotten to me, gotten me to where I am today in regards to how I'm calling out, calling in or holding space or being in space with all the different people. Um, and when there are things that are done or said that are harmful to a person or a certain group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a part of that is just through my lived experience, you know, lived experience of certain identities that I hold and how that has impacted my life. And then obviously I don't hold all identities and I don't know what it's like to be a certain person. We're all unique, right. Or in a group of people. Um, and so it's also conversations that I've had with people who hold different identities. Um, a lot of the work that I did in my grad program and, and undergrad in psychology was around exploring our biases and um, okay. exploring the impact that certain systems or history have had on individuals, historically marginalized groups and it's it's understanding how profound that is in people's lives and how that shows up and how can you lean in on that with with certain individuals who hold those identities. Um, I would say the majority of the people that I've worked with in my field hold a historically ident- historically marginalized identity. Um, and so it's also understanding that and seeing how this has impacts people, um, how their life has been profoundly impacted by these daily slants, you know, oppression, discrimination. And, and you see it, like you just start to see these things in the world more, the more that you learn about them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also seeing them, understanding them, learning about them, learning about the history, you know, taking the time to educate yourselves mm-hmm. so that way you can have conversations, you can support those people and you can advocate for systems, laws, policies that are creating barriers for certain groups of people. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the things that I've done. And then yeah. I think you just continue to like educate yourself and you F up. Like I'm, I mess up and people, I'm so glad. I really do believe that calling people out and in and helping people understand how their actions and their words impact people is an act of love. Mm-hmm. I really think setting boundaries, setting limits with people is an act of love. Mm-hmm. You're saying I care about you and you're really hurting these people. Um, you're causing harm and, and that's not okay. Um, so I'm going to just have this conversation with you because I care about you. I love you. And you're in your effing up right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, not everyone will receive that well, but um, sure. it's important that we stand in our authenticity and integrity, you know, and truth as it evolves. And I think, um, you know, it all, it all belongs right, right now. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I've definitely had tough conversations with people in my life, family members who hold different ideas than I do. And I, and I understand that, you know, I think we all are a product of our environments and we all have different experiences and um, been exposed to different things. And so I, I really do like, I'm not coming at people in a way of, you know, I'm going to put you in this category of good or bad. because I, I really, really dislike this idea of like being a good person and being a bad person. I think yeah. it's so harmful. Um 
for the, that to be kind of categorized as those polars, you know, we're humans, yeah. we're flawed, we make mistakes. Um, yeah. But I think it's, you know, I understand where you're coming from. And once again, I'm not going to push a topic that someone's not open to, to having a yeah. conversation. But it is an opportunity if someone is open and I don't know how else we're going to move the change if we don't, if we're not willing to sort of test those boundaries a little bit of, of openness and curiosity, even Mm -hmm. in people that we think might not be open to it, right? Because we don't know what we don't know sometimes. And totally. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's the thing too, is like at the root of, there's always a root at the end, right? You do a downward arrow into like all of our thoughts and feelings. And there's usually a root to that. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, there is this place, right, where we go into shame, as Brene Brown talks a lot about shame, yeah. blame, and guilt. And I think that that can really immobilize us. And um, in that, you know, I think the people are, they're really worried about like how, how others might see me if this is true about me or yeah. You know, if yeah. you're saying these things, you know, making a perception about what those things mean. And I think we all do that, right. We, we all have mm-hmm. our experience and mm-hmm. we put information into situations that may or may not be there. Mm-hmm. And I think that some people just aren't willing to stay with those feelings. Right. And I think that's the beauty of her work. And I'm sure others, um, which I'm, I'm wondering if maybe you'll have a few resources that we can include in the show notes um, of a broader sweep of different people doing this kind of work. Um, because I think part of it is that education and knowing that it's okay to feel all those uncomfortable feelings and mm-hmm. to not have to stick with what, what once was like, it's okay to yeah. really like, um, step into that discomfort. Um, and, you know, as I, I think I just uh, posted today, like, it, unless we do turn to some of these things that are incredibly uncomfortable for us and, and face them head on and actually touch them, um, we're not going to move through them. Like we're not even, we're not, it's going to kind of, we're going to carry it around, which is much harder than unpacking it and really, you know, feeling it for a little bit, then, then to me, I can then understand that like how I actually feel versus how I've just been conditioned to, to feel. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I was going to say, I think, and we all will continue to, to have like internalized bias, you know, we'll all, we all continue to have these things ingrained in us, right. Internalized sexism, you know, internalized racism. There, there are so many things that we, we have to unlearn and we may not get to a point in our lifetime where we're unlearning them. And so I think it's also like giving yourself compassion to, to know that these things are in all of us and we're getting like indoctrinated with messages and there are systems put in place to keep people with power and privilege and power and privilege. And so I think it's also just understanding that it's not like it's a fact, but there are just things happening in the world. Um, that we can't, that, that take time to change and change. Yeah. So. Yeah. I like that Heather, because it can be overwhelming if you think of all, of, all that needs to be done. And I think of it like a, a like Christmas tree lights that are all tangled up <laughs> and like, we just take one thread at a time. Right. Yeah. And then we look at those lights and see if they're working and then, you know, and, <laughs> and maybe they will, maybe they're a little dim, you know, and, and we all have to find, I think it also comes back to me a little bit. I don't know how you feel about it, but I do feel like we're all kind of here for a particular reason. And 
Mm-hmm. We kind of have to figure out our path. And I, I think things come into our path to inform us and direct us. Yeah. Um, this has come in for all of us. The pandemic has come in for all of us. So it's really asking a lot of us right now. And yeah. and I at a time that feels um, really vulnerable to and uncomfortable to everyone. So it's such yeah. an opportunity. It's also yeah. like incredibly hard and people are really struggling. Um, so how do we keep that balance between being curious and continuing to allow ourselves to feel all the things, but also be like, I need a break. Like it's just too much. Right. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. This, I mean, I have definitely experienced some of my lowest mental health moments during the pandemic. Um, And I would consider myself to have developed a lot of skills and coping mechanisms, which, you know, I think have changed the way that I've experienced some of these um, Mm -hmm. kind of dips in my mental health. And you know, we're all in it together. We're all experiencing it. And it is really hard. Like there are certainly days that I wake up and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't, I don't want to move. I don't want to go to work. Um, yeah. And it's, it's hard when, when there's kind of, there's, we're, we're not seeing that light consistently of this, the change is, is coming. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we have these little peaks and valleys for sure. What do you, maybe this would be a nice time for you to share how you stay resilient. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what your tools, <laughs> what's in your toolbox? Yeah. Therapy. I think going to therapy, there, everyone deserves therapy, a space to explore <laughs> themselves and a space that's all about them. Um, movement. I, I have always been into athletics and movement and exercise. And that's something that I need. I just, you know, I experience anxiety and kind of this a way to move those emotions through my body and out has been through movement for sure. Mm. Um, I think being around loved ones and, and being connected, um, something that I'm working on right now is, is building stronger connections with the close people in my life. I think through my lived experiences, I've, I've struggled to be vulnerable with the people who I care the most about, which is, which is interesting. Um, and so I'm, I'm really working on that. And then boundaries, um, learning about your boundaries, usually when you're experiencing burnout or feeling overwhelmed or exhausted, there's likely something in your life that you could, you know, set boundaries around and yeah. help. help I always like, um, you know, it's one thing to set the boundary. The challenge is to keep the boundary. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and then you know and they move right over over time and I do think that is probably one of the biggest acts of self-care and self-love that we can do but it's not always clear right what those boundaries need to be that's also something we have to find our way to but again listening like you it sounds like you have like a, a good connection to yourself and those cues and knowing you know, even knowing what the struggle is sometimes is like the first part of the journey, right? Yeah. And I mean, I'm just going to be fully transparent that being connected with myself has been really hard for me. And I would say mm-hmm. until the last three years, listening to my body was extremely challenging. Um, and looking inwards and slowing down was something that I wasn't good at. And that, you know, definitely impacted me in my everyday life um, pretty tremendously. Yeah. So. I, I have to, yeah, I have to believe you're not alone in that. 
I think we live in a world, I mean, everyone has different reasons for that. Um, but I think we, we live in a world that doesn't invite us to slow down at mm. all. And then if we feel the discomfort, we've been given lots of ways to distract ourselves from, from mm -hmm. being with that. Um, but I mean, part of the, that journey I'm sure you've found is like, we can keep chasing whatever it is in here mm -hmm. in our heart. I'm, I'm pounding on here <laughs> um, that, that needs to be fulfilled. Um, but really, I mean, it's right. It is right here. It is within the outline of our, our bodies. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in it is really challenging. A way of slowing us down and giving us so many signs until it literally smacks us in the face. And it's yeah. like, girl, you need to slow down. Like we're trying to tell you something. Just it's listen so to us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think for anyone listening, um, it is, I mean, that's the beauty of if, if you can be still. And if you can't, you know, maybe writing, maybe journaling, but to have some way to raise the awareness, which I feel like that's what mindfulness really does is it gives you this level of awareness so you can begin to notice, notice the patterning, notice the things that are sucking the life out of you and the things that are filling you up. And so you can then set those boundaries. You can then be like, oh, okay, that shit doesn't belong anymore. You know, I keep doing that for, I don't know, other people, right? Yeah. Uh, or I've just outgrown it and I just keep exhausting myself doing it. And, um, and then these other things, well, I need more of this, you know, and I need more of these kind of relationships. Maybe they're not the ones that I think I, I thought I should have, but this is yeah. a community that I align with now, you know, yeah. and that, that's a journey to find that and to accept it. Right. Just like everything else we've been talking about. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, we all develop these patterns or behaviors or defense mechanisms because they worked for us once and they've maybe worked pretty well for a while and then they stop working as well. And then they end up actually creating some more barriers or challenges or conflicts for us in our lives. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I definitely think about so, myself and some, some of the people in my life and, you know, some of the things that I've developed have been around like being a perfectionist or a people pleaser or hyper independent and, you know, these things that are really promoted in our society. And then, you know, actually don't end up making us feel good. We get further disconnected from ourselves and mm -hmm. reconnecting after a period of time of doing those things is really challenging and learning the things that we've learned is takes a lot of work and they're like so deeply ingrained in us that it's yeah. like, yeah. It's a challenge. I found myself, I, I've been pretty good. Like I've really um, been inviting more rest in. I don't know about you. Do you use rest as a. If I don't sleep nine hours. Yeah. I'm like one of those people and I, I don't have any children. So I think people out there might be rolling their eyes. If I nine hours of sleep. Um, but <laughs> rest is huge for me. For sure. Yeah. Rest at night. But I've also just been like trying to take moments during the day of just like laying down, putting my feet up and breathing, you know, and receiving that, um, which I can't believe how powerful that's been. And I only started practicing that because I had all these healers on this summer and every single one of them was like rest, like there's sleep and that yeah. rest. But mm -hmm. also when you're feeling like those points in your day that you're really struggling, like, or, you know, at the end of the day, when you come home and you're just like done, and sometimes you just change your clothes and it, and it brings you back to life. 
but I, <laughs> sometimes kind of, um, yeah. but lately I've actually just taken five or 10 minutes and literally allowed myself to, to do that and do some deep belly breathing. And it's mm. been amazing um, how that has like filled me up enough for the next little bit. It's like a sponge, right? You wring it out and then yeah. <laughs> there's a little more room. Um, so rest has um, something that I just think we need to bring the nap back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which oh is God. hard for me. Like just like you, I'm like, oh my God, to rest, like take a nap. Are you kidding me? Like there's too much shit to get done. Yeah, <laughs> you right. know. Um, so that's been an unlearning for me a lot. Yeah, yeah. So and like a cultural thing, I think in other cultures they still they still embrace the nap. I know. Like, that is fabulous. It is. <laughs> now it's like are you lazy or I mean like all my shadow stuff comes out but you know um I I need to embrace that and realize it's what I I need and then I have so much more to offer and I enjoy the journey so much more right well and I think one of the things that I, I just popped into my mind and like you know watching you and then you know your siblings and just like a lot of like woman empowerment but just thinking mm-hmm. about like watching your journey too and you know, being able to be a part of that from the sidelines and thinking about, you know, stillness is hard for me. And like massage and body work has been really helpful because it gives me a place to actually like let go of control. Um, And I'm just thinking about when I was, you know, after, you know, my experience with sexual violence um, and you had done some body work with me and it was like the most powerful thing, like Mm. just like in, you know, I think there's something about your presence, but also like that taking that time to like my body was just convulsing and like there was just yeah. so much unworked out stuff and you know I think after that experience I, I was sold in terms of body work um yeah and I want to thank you for introducing me to that and, and helping me heal yeah. from that oh 100% thanks Heather I um yeah thank you and thank you for bringing that up body work to me and energetic work which is what I did um, with you, which was enter um, healing touch and some chakra system work. And, you know, it's a great way to come back. I mean, all that does is bring someone back to their own ability to heal and remember, you know, and, um, and also to move energy that is uh, stuck and sometimes needs to be for a while. Sometimes it's a, it's a protective thing, but Honestly, mm-hmm. when I had my first sort of energetic healing, which was network chiropractic, same type of thing as you, I suddenly realized that this whole other level of healing could happen without me having to process it and talk about it. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and so thank you for reminding me and sharing with all the listeners, like when, it, when it's hard, and that was a really hard time, that was a traumatic time for you. Right. Mm-hmm. That sometimes it, it is scary to step in and we need uh, we need healers in our lives to hold our hand and to help us through. So that's the other thing, you know, and I I have people in my life that struggle with mental health. Like we don't have to do this alone. And the more we learn, the more we realize um, realize that, I guess. And uh, that's an unconditioning, too. That's like getting off your white horse. That's like realizing we need each other, which is why I have the podcast. So we can talk about the realness of life and realize we're not alone. And if, if we struggle with something, chances are there's other people doing the same thing. And if we, our stories can heal. Yeah. 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 Which yeah. I think has brought me to the work that I'm doing now is 
all the people throughout my life who I was able to connect with at, at really dark times for myself um, really influenced me in, in the way that I wanted to show up in the world and the work mm. that I wanted to do and, you know, the healing that so many people have provided me. I wanted to do the same for other people. And, mm. um, right. We all deserve people in our lives to help hold us and hold space for us. And I think that if that hadn't been the case for me, if I, you know, I obviously have certain resources on, that other people don't have, but I, I really do think that I would be in a very different place right now. If, mm. if all those people throughout my, throughout my journey in my life had not been there, um, things definitely would have been, would have been different. Yeah. Well, and I also will say that you uh, had the courage to reach out for that, right? And that that's, you know, something we hope to all have that light in us. But, you know, maybe when you didn't have the light, the people around you help you remember your light. And yeah, mm-hmm. and now, and I just see that um, I've wanted to cry several times during this, just so everybody knows, because it is very moving to to really see how you evolve and to see the light that you do shine out, Heather. It's very bright. It's just who you are. That's part of it. And it's um it's just I, I feel like all the kids whose lives you're touching are are so gifted by that and and other people because I, I think that um yeah, you have this soft but very powerful um way of being in the world that is gonna empower others to engage also. So thank you. Yeah for being you. Um it touches my heart and I know and a lot of other people. So I feel like it's such a gift. Thank you. Yeah. And so I guess the other, yeah, well, hundred percent. So last thing I really want to, well, is there anything else you want to share before I ask this next question? Is there anything else you wanted to touch upon? Um, I think maybe the only thing that, you know, I can think of is like, kind of the piece around like our body keeps a score and you know we've Mm -hmm. mentioned a little bit about how certain people like looking into your body and being connected with your body is a a hard thing to do and so I think those of the people maybe listeners or other people in the world um, who've experienced this trauma or daily slants whether that's sexism racism transphobia homophobia like those things slowly like build up like plaque on our teeth you know and I think that you know, we all have stuff and, and different stuff and it, it's what makes us us. And so I think also when we're walking in the world, I know that you've talked on this, but we never know what people are going through. And um, even though maybe some of us are looking strong or bright, um, you know, we could still be really struggling inside. And yeah. that's really true to me. And I think sometimes I worry that I show up in a way that isn't always mm. authentic because on yeah. the inside, I may be really hurting or, you know, some of yeah. the experiences I've had have gotten me to dark place where I've thought about, you know, not being on this planet anymore. Yeah. I think that, right. We won't, so it's hard to get off that white horse. And, yeah. Uh, so it takes time. So wherever you're at on your journey, that's where you're at and, and that's okay. Yeah. Thank you, Heather, for sharing that. It is true. I, I am. Um, thank you for um, reminding me of all those days I have like that too, right? We all do. It's part of being human and it's not that we always show up um, 
and our light isn't always bright, right? And we can be the messiest, best versions of ourselves and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been super messy and floppy and, you know, all been there. And so I also just want to normalize that, like, we've yes. all been a hot mess. We get to, we've been a hot mess. Sometimes we hurt people and it sucks. And sometimes we are really maybe sucky people at that time. And mm-hmm. if we're human. We make mistakes and it's just what we do with, with what we learn from that. Yeah. I, I would like to stay there for a minute because I, I think I have noticed, I think I spend more time, honestly, and I'm going to share this because I don't think I'm alone. I, I think I spend more time as the critic um, and not loving myself than I do loving myself, you know, and I do know that I show up in a way that pleases others, <laughs> you know, and uh you know, but I also like, I guess, through my journey have chosen to be more vulnerable and honest um, about it, even at times when I might look like I'm doing okay, not that I, um, you know, just to not pretend as much, but sometimes I don't allow myself to think it's okay, to not be okay. Right. right, right? Yeah. And, and even, you know, through this time of change that you and I are just talking about, we do know our white privilege. Yeah. Right. We do know the the opportunities we have. So sometimes I'm also wrestling with that and like pulling on this gratitude of like, well, I should have all these things to be grateful for, you know? Yeah. And so that's also just something that's just real. That is um, hard, yeah. hard to allow myself to feel all those feelings when I know people have it much worse than I do. Um yeah. And also I get, I get afraid. It's a slippery slope. I'm afraid to be too sad because I'm afraid I won't dip up out of it. Yeah. 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 So that's and, a balance. Yeah. And I appreciate you saying that. Cause I, I just think about you often. I'm like, Holy shit. <laughs> she is doing round two with kids, not, not three kids, four kids. Yeah. Um, you just continue to show up and be like extremely right. There's kind of that, downfall being a strong woman um but you know I appreciate you saying that because I think you are a real human and you're going through stuff and Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that you keep showing up like that is is really motivating I think for many people no thanks Heather it's hard it's hard for me to show up like that because I it's my shadow side to not be (laughs) cheery and okay right I don't want to like oh I don't want to be a Debbie Downer but (laughs) I also try to you know let's get real, you know, we can't keep doing this or we're going to be even worse off than the struggles we already have. So, but I think also it's that whole idea though, that we can, like you and I can feel those days when it doesn't feel like, you know, like maybe my work here is done, (laughs) you know, you can have those days and you can still have hope. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can still like watch the wave come breathe, do those things that keep you resilient to watch the wave come and watch it go and maybe see hope arrive. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Totally. Yeah. Like, the human experience includes pain and suffering. It also includes like joy and love and passion. And those like just the combination you have to find your way to weave, weave in yeah. and out. Yeah. Well, it is a hell of a ride, that's for sure. Yes. <laughs> Just like the roller coaster I made you go on in the 
Uh, ups and downs. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, when Heather, I forget how old you were, maybe 10. She wanted to do this. It was a roller coaster that no other adult wanted to do or kid, I don't think. And I decided I, it was only one minute and I was like, okay, I can do anything for a minute or something like that. So yeah, I did it with you. Well, thank you. Thank you for keeping me adventurous in life. That was, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Heather, thanks for everything you shared today. I guess what I, where I was going to go a little bit was just like with all that you've seen and all that you know is coming from change mm-hmm. and, you know, you experience in the school system in your mm-hmm. life as a young person, you know, I'd like to know, like, do you feel hopeful? Do you feel um, like, what do you think the gifts are in this time? Um mm-hmm. Or does it make you fall on your heels a little bit more? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think both ends. Um, working with kids is extremely amazing. And just to see what the school systems look like now. And what, and granted, I live in a, a school system that's very well resourced. And, you know, we live in Vermont. There's, mm-hmm. some, um, there's a lot more openness to certain ideas and, and uh-huh. change, which is, I think, you know, you're being in one moment at one time and, and that's really motivating and hopeful. And I, so I co-facilitate our GSA group, which is a gender and sexuality alliance group. And so uh, students who participate are in the LGBTQ plus community or allies, and they're working to get changed in the school district. And so I get to be at the forefront of that and supporting these students, making the change. And really it's to support what by advocating for them, by amplifying their voices. And so that's really exciting. And I think the Mm -hmm. movement in the school district is, you know, it's slow, right? Which is where kind of we hit our head on the wall of, you know, unfortunately our systems and, you know, the way that our society is structured is really slow moving, slow moving. And I think that when we take step forward, we take steps back and Mm. that can be really really frustrating, especially when our rights are being challenged and not available for us, um, at least not the rights of all people. And so I think that's tough. And, you know, there are still ways that it shows up in our school that are doing harm to people, um, different groups of people. And so, and, and, you know, I live in a, a place where I can say something about that and that's heard and that's valued. Um, and there's still that drawing line of, I am a young woman in this profession and unfortunately people still don't want to listen to me or Mm. they think I'm being too aggressive or so Mm. it, you know, I think that there's a line that you walk. um, And right. We just keep showing up and doing the best that we can. And every day I do something to support my passion and the cause and, and, you know, wanting to make sure that our world is a better place for our next generations. Yeah. Thank you. That all sounds wonderful. I mean, it sounds like it sounds very meaningful to me. Again, I'm 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 very inspired by both you and Ren who have been on already to share that, you know, you don't just show up in the world to do work to support yourself. You show up in the world to do work to to support others. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, intention for everybody. Let's let's make sure that everyone can live here and get their basic needs met. I think it's absurd Mm -hmm. that we still live in a world where some people in our country are not getting their basic needs met. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, yeah. I know. A lot of work to do, but I think a lot Mm -hmm. of little, you know, we all do our part, and it adds up. 
you know, I, I think we have to stay hopeful. <laughs> yeah. We cannot, but you know, um, totally. there's movement. I think movement is always a good sign. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Change right. is the only constant in our, in our lives. Yeah. So yeah. Embrace yeah. the change and ride, ride the wave. Yeah. So Heather, we, we, you know, we've touched a little bit about, you know, the paths we're all on and how our experiences influence our journey. So do you want to talk a little bit more about like things that have come into your journey that have sort of led you to the work that you're doing in the world now? Yeah, yeah. So I think most of the paths that I've gone on have been strongly influenced by the experiences in my life. Um, you know, at a young age, right, we all have mental health. Um, in you know, in my teens, I started to experience some challenges with my mental health. Um, I experienced an eating disorder as kind of a, you know, as much as I was, you know, had a lot of support as a young person, and my parents were awesome. And they provided a really like warm, loving environment and, um, you know, gave me, gave me the stage to have a lot of self-esteem and confidence in myself mm-hmm. and my body. Um, and so, you know, I, it wasn't something that really impacted me or that I, I had too much thought around, but I think over time getting those messages about like your body and about how, how you should act if you have certain identities or being a woman. And so, you know, I, after uh, this, this tough breakup, right? A 15 year old broken heart, um, <laughs> you know, looking back now, I can understand maybe how the relationship was unhealthy and, and had some characteristics that, that changed maybe the way I started to think about myself and confidence mm-hmm. in my body and um, kind of to regain that control. I started to control what I was eating and mm-hmm. you know, messages of like, if I just change myself, maybe they'll want me back or they'll love me or more people yeah. will love me. Um, and so I was diagnosed with anorexia and I had lost a significant amount of weight at the time. Mm -hmm. We didn't really have much information, right. About, about nutrition and about our bodies. And so, you know, the way I went about it was like, Oh, I just won't eat as much. And then that kind of traction gained. And I got to a point where, you know, I lost my period. I lost a significant amount of weight. Um, I started withdrawal from my friends, from my family, you know, I started Mm -hmm. to lie to them about, you know, what I was eating and, I was really big into athletics and, you know, my performance started to dip and I wasn't as strong of an athlete at that time. And I mm-hmm. it was never really a, you know, I had some, maybe a little bit more fat on my body than some of my peers. Um, but yeah, so things have gotten pretty scary and eventually I had fainted at, at a practice. And so mm-hmm. my mom and my dad brought me to the emergency room and um, they basically just said that I was undernourished and, um, you know, with that, I started to experience some, some depression, anxiety, OCD. I think by the time I was 18, you know, we started to get those medical records and, you know, I saw like my diagnosis list and it was like a laundry list of diagnoses. Mm. And that was really tough. Like as an 18 year old to be like, wow, like I'm super fucked up. Like all these things are wrong with me. And, yeah. you know, and then it like really, you know, really impacts the way that you look at yourself, the way you feel about yourself. And, um, that's when I started to really put walls up with like my family mm. and my friends and, um, started to really disconnect from my body, I would say. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, after that I continued, you know, go, I started therapy and I met with this awesome dietitian. Of course, at the time there was like three in like Vermont. And so I had some really? you know, dark, uh, yeah. Or dark that surprises in- me like that. There's so few resources at, I mean, that wasn't, that was that like 10 years, a little over 10 years, 15 years ago. I mean, just because, I mean, that just shocks me knowing like 
that there's so few resources out there for something that's probably, I mean, maybe you've come to know more prevalent than one might realize. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm sure you felt very alone at the time. Um, right. Or did you, did you end up in a group or what, what how did you? Know? No, I was, I was pretty lucky in the sense that, well, that's the right word, but um, yeah. in the sense that like, I didn't realize how bad it had gotten, I think. And mm. it wasn't as connected to my mental health when, it, when I had gotten to the, the lowest weight. Um, but I think seeing my parents really concerned and them being like, something like something's wrong you need help and then I was like whoa okay I guess I do and um it's a slippery slope yeah I feel like with people that I've talked to that have that awareness piece plus I don't know have you learned um well thank you for sharing that first of all um because I'm I'm sure there's a lot of people that if they weren't anorexic we've all gone through things in our teenage years where we've deprived ourselves in hopes of being more appealing to the outside world. Um, but I wonder about the the brain and how it, like you said, I couldn't recognize, you probably have learned a lot about this, I guess, but like, yeah. is there like, just like, you, like I've, you've heard about people looking at themselves in the mirror and seeing something different than what the reality is. Is that what you experienced? And do you know anything about how our brain sort of tunes out to that or gets so yeah. distorted around it? Yeah, the DSM, you know, diagnosis is body dysmorphia, where we have our ideas about our body, and Mm. that that differ from reality. And obviously, that's more complex than that. Um, But yeah, when I looked in the mirror, I didn't necessarily see what other people saw. I didn't see those concerning things. I mean, my like arm hair had gotten darker, you know, my hair had grown longer, so like certain physical changes. But I think when you're seeing yourself all the time, you don't notice that. Um, Yeah, right. It's gradual. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, the hard part too, is I was getting a lot of positive reinforcements for losing weight. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I think that was also challenging of, you know, you get these messages from society and people around you that thinness is desirable and good, but the reality was like, I wasn't healthy. I wasn't happy. Um, Mm -hmm. Things didn't change. You know, maybe I actually, that person wanted to be in a relationship with me again. So that was also another reinforcement. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So, and it was just really, and so your brain is still developing as a child. And so that also impacts your development. Like I, I struggled with my memory at that time, word Mm. recollection. Um, And so things definitely, definitely change cognitively. Um, And I think honestly, the part that I think impacted me the most was, was gaining weight back. And yeah, at that time, I didn't have that support available and, and the mental health counselor to, to support me with that, the, the mental health aspect around that. Okay. So, um, I started to develop certain like coping mechanisms and unhealthy ones. So like disordered eating thoughts around, okay, if I have this many calories and then run this much, I'll still be able to gain weight or I'll still be able to maintain. And so, you know, on even to this day, 15 years later, I still have some of those disordered eating yeah. thoughts. Um, yeah. I imagine that's a really hard cycle to, uh, I think that many of us struggle with anyway, but I imagine when you've gone to that extreme and and sort of, I think about like, you're kind of climbing your way back up out of it, like to find some sort of homeostasis or some like fresh, new, healthy way to view that. Yeah. Journey. Yeah. And you talked about like being in our head from our shoulders up and so much of that 
experience, like disconnected me from my body and actually listened to like, how does my body feel right now? Like, you know, do I need nourishment? Do I not? What type of nourishment yeah. would be for my body? Um, so that, that experience fully changed and, you know, it, it changed the activities that I was doing, like who I would spend time with, where I would go and spend time with planning out meals in advance um, so that I would make sure that I'm not overeating or, or drinking. Mm-hmm. And so, so many of those things like shaped so many hours of my life. Wow. Uh, looking yeah. back on it, it's tough. Um, and, you know, so much, right. You're not present in that moment because your head is thinking about how do I yeah. look right now? Like, are people looking at me or, and it's, you know, I think we it all look very calm, calm, multifaceted. I will say, you know, like you think about, I don't know if this, I don't know. Does this fall in an addiction category? Yeah. yeah. And um, so. is the most deadly um, addiction. Say that again. Anorexia. Anorexia. Is most- deadly addiction. I, because it's a slippery slope to get out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it is so much more like um, complicated, like, cause you still have to eat food. Yeah. Right. It's unlike, uh, you know, a drug or alcohol addiction where you just can sustain from it, right? Mm-hmm. Refrain from it. Um, so, yeah. So it, and so my interest in nutrition definitely sparked after that. And like okay. I said, I'm, I've always been curious about like myself and my experiences in the world. And so I really got involved with wanting to know more about nutrition and specifically someday to support other people who have had similar experiences, yeah. um, which led me into the program at UVM or at URI. Right. And so do you, are you in a place where you see nutrition as fuel now? Or, I mean, I always just, talk about and I don't I don't know if this dovetails in or not but trying to find a healthy place even myself to be around nutrition um as you know I yo-yoed like anyone else through through high school and honestly Ginger my oldest sister had anorexia when I was um she was eight years older than me but when she was in high school and I I remember getting a little obsessed with it like I didn't become anorexic but I certainly lost a bunch of weight and went through because it was there was something desirable around it yeah yeah you know it's like it's fucked up quite honestly but it's about this image of thinness right and um that we get the attention around we feel good about ourselves and yeah. So for me to find also as any, I think so many people listening, I think I, I just wonder how many, and you probably know this statistic oh, yeah. better than I very high of those of us that are challenged between like what food is. And that's where I've tried to get this healthier place of realizing fuel is food is fuel and it's actually ability to heal us, you know, and to be well and to find this comfortable place to be in our bodies when we're, when listening and eating what we need and know that's where we're supposed to be. Yeah. 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 It, it is that tough balance of you need, right. You need to sort of survive. You need nutrients. Um, and I yeah. would say that I'm in a much more healthy, healthy, playful place with, with food and the things that I allow, allow myself to consume now or not think about has released so much time and energy and nice. it feels great. And I'm, you know, and I think as we talked about building that more better connection and relationship with ourselves and our body and building our self-esteem makes such a difference in the way that we have relationships with food um, and celebration. And, and, you know, 
there's so many things that our culture is connected with food and beverages. And so I think that I'm in a much better place and, you know, there's still things that I'm working on and of letting go. And we've, I think, I think this conversation has opened up more on different platforms and with people too, to share um, and normalize what a healthy body can be. And I, and that's probably got, have you seen that grown? Yeah. Yeah. Throughout the last 10 years, maybe. And even in the last five, a lot, I think. Um, I think that that information that we got about our bodies and about our health, um, you know, are based on certain research on certain demographics of people Mm -hmm. and that not all that information is true. And, you know, our society is very like, you know, we have this internalized like fatism that we think like our sizeism and it's, you know, and our, it's not a one size fits all, like our bodies are all different. We all need different things. And sometimes that means that some of us have a little bit more fat in our bodies or less fat and it's what works best for us and yeah. what we feel best in. And it shouldn't mm-hmm. matter what anyone else thinks or, you mm-hmm. know, or says about us. That's mm-hmm. how we feel about ourselves. And, you know, mm-hmm. once again, way easier said than done. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like I've traveled to Africa. If you're a large woman in Africa, that's a good thing. It's a sign of prosperity, you know, and it's so it's very interesting that we've just created this culture. Yeah. And most of it's unrealistic. Like now we have Photoshop and filters and yeah, right. And so it's like you never know if what you're looking at is actual like it's a real person. Yeah. No, we're influenced by falsism, I guess you would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I met some really, you know, amazing people in that journey and, um, you know, and I, I still do continue to have conversations with women and mm-hmm. some really, like, I don't know, like we talk about resilience, like our bodies are resilient and can bounce back and we can move and change. And that's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing about us. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. when we can practice that, um, you know, it is another sort of present moment, gratitude, I don't know, all of it, just to realize the gifts we have in the health of our bodies. You know, if we can focus a little more in that direction, too, that can be really healthy. (laughs) You know, yeah. Yeah, our bodies are amazing tools. Like, oh, my gosh, we can, like, we can move places with them. Like, we can pick up things like, I know this is so weird, but if we just think about like the functionality of our bodies oh, and appreciate like something like yeah. my mother ran marathons, what? Like you can run. miles. That's, that's amazing. And like, if you can't run a mile, that's also amazing too. You're still moving. You're still living. So yes. You know. Yeah. It's like almost to try to get more in a place of honoring ourselves. And I think if we can instill that at a younger age, which I certainly try to talk to the kids in my family, which I didn't with my adult children. I didn't know. I mean, I was still caught in that, yeah. I think, image place. And now it's like, what are you eating? Like, what does your body need? How do you feel after you eat that? How do you feel yeah. after you eat this? What if you're drinking a bunch of water or not enough? Like, it's just a whole different language today. And I can only hope, hope, hope <laughs> that that leads us to a better, a less struggle, I guess. But, yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, yeah. So then thank you. And, and your healing really came around, your healing really came around having some good therapy. Yep. Yeah. I would say, you know, the ther- my therapist at the time was 
was a great space to hold. Um, and I would say my dietitian that I worked with, um, was phenomenal. She was so, so caring, so sweet, not shame-based. Um, Mm. and that, that really made a difference for me. And, um, I think was able to pull out some of those unconscious thoughts and needs that I was getting through Mm. these behaviors, Mm. Uh, which inspired you to go into dietitian work. Yeah. 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 And so I was, you know, it really was fascinating to me and I wanted to continue to learn more and, yeah. um, right. It's, it was applicable for myself and the people in my life. Um, and I will say that, you know, at that time, I, it was really hard for me to trust my body and to love my body. And yeah. I still felt very disconnected from myself and, you know, the messages I think that we've talked about that we get about our bodies and that we are malleable and we are disposable and, this idea of sit down, shut up and look pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those, those messages were still, you know, th- those were starting to get to me, I think more mm-hmm. um, as, as I was younger. And, um, you know, I started to really seek external validation for mm-hmm. the way that I felt about myself. And mm-hmm. I would say since that time in moving through undergrad, I really struggled with that. And I really mm-hmm. became more disconnected with myself, honestly. Um, and really started to seek, more unhealthy coping mechanisms, more externalizing, um, seeking relationships that weren't healthy, um, letting mm. people do things to my body that I, I wasn't consenting to, um, because I thought that that's how I could get people to like me or mm. build, build this like false idea of connectedness. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure, um, this is probably resonating with others. Mm-hmm. The ways we show up that we think we're supposed to instead of what really comes from our inside of what's right or not, you know? Yeah. And I don't know that we're like, do we talk about that? Like, do we talk to our, our daughters about what's okay and what's not okay? I mean, I hope we're moving. And I think I know we're moving in that direction <laughs> now that I have a second family. And this is the opportunity of the second family. <laughs> Yeah. But I see the difference right. in these there two generations. And I, you know, I now have that, like the boys in my house, they're young, but I'm still like, I talked to them about consent several times. In fact, I don't know, something came in my head the okay. other day and they all were in the car and I'm like, we've talked about consent, right? And they're like, yes, we've talked about it. <laughs> you <laughs> <are> you know? <laughs> um, and even, you know, even with Ella, as she grows, it's like, these are conversations that just, we need to have that we need to call it out. Or else, how did we know? How did we know that, oh, you know, I'm, you know, I met Bob when I was 16 and I just assumed I needed to have sex with him because I was, you know, that's what you did if you were in a relationship. (laughs) Did I want to? I wasn't ready, you know? So I I think that we we need to be talking to our children more and be being open and honest. And I think we are. And if you're not, like, think about that. Because we need guidance. I mean, we've learned, even if, um, you know, we've learned through our, like, learned experience, if nothing else, to say, like, be sure you're ready. Be sure um, that you can set those boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we get so many messages about, like, heteronormativity and, you know, what heterosexual relationships are supposed to look like. And really, like, it, like, idealizes this idea for young girls that, like, you need a, you need a man or, yeah. 
one. If I yeah. could go back and like tell myself anything, it's like work on the relationship with yourselves and platonic mm. yeah. relationship. Like mm-hmm. it just, I just think about how much time and energy I spent on seeking mm-hmm. that relationship. And I also yeah. had a great model of my parents. Like, yeah, I think they, you know, I really adored them and their relationship and I wanted that. And yeah, um, I just think that, you know, if we get different messages and especially for young boys, I mean, we talk about the rates of sexual assault, um, just a trigger warning for anyone out there who, you know, has any thoughts or feelings about sexual violence, just take care of yourself. Um, but you know, we, we talk about the rates of sexual assault and I think most of the time we're talking about, you know, the, I don't like the word victims, but the, the people who are perpetrated against versus the perpetrators and typically being cisgender males. And so mm-hmm. I think it's really important that young male identified individuals are especially getting these conversations about mm-hmm. consent, about sexism, misogyny, you know, toxic masculinity. You mm-hmm. think I think having that awareness and understanding that even to give like a high five or even to look at someone in a certain way, like we should, women's bodies aren't there to be sexualized. They're, we're, we're beings too. There's so much more to us than our bodies. Like our mm-hmm. bodies don't define our worth. And so having those conversations at a young age of like, you know, you know, consent, like, even if you want to give someone a high five or a handshake, or maybe it's a relative that you don't want to hug, like, don't push your young people to give mm-hmm. them hugs or things like that. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. um, that's kind of my plug on, you know, yeah. just, you know, mm-hmm. have those conversations, kids understand gender and sexuality at a really young age, much younger than I think we're, we realize. And so, you know, start early and start young. And well, I mean, I think get a lot of information outside of us on the yeah, online, oh you know? <laughs> yeah. And so to me, that's where I think it's tuned me in a little bit because I've had a couple things happen, not around sexuality, but just behavior that I realize they're being influenced to do things. They don't even understand the consequences of what they're doing or saying they're repeating because they don't really understand. So, um, you know, that's like Google is a really big um <laughs> challenge to stay in front of and and so I think sometimes as parents we might feel hesitant or uncomfortable to to have those conversations I just say no that they do know I think they're hearing all kinds and seeing all kinds of things even if you're putting parental guidance on your devices I mean it's just it's too easy yeah and they know how to work it way better than we do so totally yeah I don't know. I think that's a hard one, Heather, for uh, a lot of people. It's going to be a hard one for a lot of people. Like, I don't know. In school, there's a certain amount of it done. Oh, yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's yeah. that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Because as we, I don't know if we've gotten into the conversation or not yet about like just um, really calling out or calling in what, what used to be acceptable that is no longer acceptable. Yeah. It wasn't acceptable then, but we didn't know. <laughs> like, it's right. just like, it's our progression through time. There's a lot of things we look back and we're like, what? You know, so many things like we, we could go history is deep here, but just to stay with, with the subject we're on. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of things we were, what you were, I forget the word you use perpetrators perpetrated against I perpetrated against um, in, in a, sometimes in innocence and sometimes not. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously this is, you know, I think I'm so uh, fueled or motivated by this topic because of my own experience and, mm-hmm. um, you know, my senior going into my senior year of undergrad um, in the summertime, I was um, jumped and raped and, and walking home one night. And unfortunately, you know, this was some, or, you know, this was someone who I, I didn't know, or at least I'm not aware of still if I knew them or not. Um, mm. And, you know, went through, went through that process, you know, went to the hospital, um, they conducted a rape kit when went through an investigation service. Um, you know, there was still a lot of evidence at, at the scene where it had happened. And, um, you know, it's both frustrating. And at this time, I, you know, there's, there's healing that I've done around it of just never finding the person or never knowing mm-hmm. who it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, at that time, it just was a whirlwind. And for, you know, three months, it, it I, I just was, I think I was in shock and just yeah. kind of like, didn't believe that that, that had happened. Um, yeah. you, know, that's what you see in shows or movie and in reality is, most people who experience sexual violence is by someone that they, they know are acquainted with. Um, and so that, you know, that really shook me and I didn't start to experience kind of some of those bodily side effects of that. And so mm. months later, um, but that had definitely, you know, I ended up dropping out of school senior year, halfway through the year, um, mm. because it had happened on campus and I, you know, I, my body was really having, PTSD symptoms and mm. um you know I couldn't walk to class without having a panic attack or mm. um and then still the ongoing investigation just kind of consistently brought me back into that night um yeah and that was you know and, and even up until this year like I'm still experiencing a lot of symptoms of that and through years of healing um and therapy great therapy. Um, you know, that's something that I still have lived with and that also further connected me from like my soul and my body and, Mm. um, and also propelled me to meeting some of the most phenomenal people in the world. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, introduced me to the world of mental health even more and, Mm. um, and just the need that, that we, that so many of us have to, to be connected and to be supported. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Heather, for sharing that, um, I don't know, tragic event that it sounds like, you know, you've dug deeper on to understand the extent of it, to know you're not alone. That doesn't make any of it okay. It's yeah. very prevalent. Yeah. But you said most often by someone people know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The majority of people who experience sexual violence is by someone that they know. Mm-hmm. Which Indeed. isn't why you see it in, in movies or TV shows or things as much of, um, we have this idea of that it's some stranger. Um, and you know, that was my reality, but for most people, um, that's not, that's not the same, the case. Yeah. I know I've had a few conversations with people and I, in my circles of women, I have been really surprised at how many women had as a young, you know, a young person, um, you know, this sexual assaulted by someone in their family. Yeah. It was higher than I would have imagined, usually by an adult. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so did this, so your healing again brought you into the work that you pursued further around mental health? 
Yeah. 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 So after I graduated, which I, I did end up going back and, and graduating, um, I took some time off. And at that time I had a long, you know, long-term partner and I moved out of, out of state with, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think this person was so amazing for me, you know, and I had just found them at, at that right time. Um, super support, but they, you know, I, I really was spiraling and, um, mm-hmm. started to, you know, kind of continue to engage in unhealthy patterns for myself and in my relationships. And so, um, ended up moving back home and, um, realizing that, you know, I had to, to do some work on myself. And at that mm-hmm. time, like, this is what my passion was. And so ended up applying to grad school, um, which was in Florida. So yeah. moved, packed up my car, moved to sunny Florida and, um, you know, did, you know, the program was phenomenal. I would say academically, that was the best experience that I had ever had. Oh, and nice. I did really well. And, you know, through that, you learned so much about, right, the mind, the body, our behaviors, our thoughts, our feelings, and everything is applicable to you because, well, you're a human, right? Um, right. And so I, through my own kind of self-education, I was learning a lot about myself too, and mm-hmm. able to address some of those maladaptive or unhealthy behaviors and, and kind of understand a little bit better as to why they were happening. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and I definitely... I was, you know, I would say I was in a dark place at some of those times still. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and it wasn't really until I moved back here, I think that I'd really been slowed down to, to make those changes and was mm-hmm. making those changes and also doing like the work that I was doing was extremely ins- inspiring and the people mm-hmm. that I was meeting and the, you know, their desire to change and, and help themselves was also pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, I have to just listening. I just think those dark places where you're deepest healing, I have to imagine um, because you were willing to go there and, and your schooling sort of was right. It was right in your face to touch in on that. And really, um, I mean, and you chose to also. Um, And then I'm sure I have to believe in the healing of others too continues to to help you heal on that journey. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. And I think that's the, also the thing about being in this field is when you've had experiences, right. We can never be in the same place. We're all unique individuals, but I think there is some power in, you know, having some empathy and understanding of where people have been through your own experiences and, yeah. um, you know, really touching souls with people and, and being in their, them exposing their heart to you and, you know, you holding yeah. that with care and love yeah. and I got you. Um, I think especially young people, there's, you know, they're vulnerable population and um, mm-hmm. through kind of corrective experiences of being a person for them, an adult who maybe they haven't ever had an adult who has cared for them and wanted to support them and mm-hmm. um, create those corrective experiences. Yeah, um, that's really beautiful. Thank you. I, I do feel like these really hard things in our life do get us back to a soul level. And, you know, and when we can connect in that way, um, the rest of it doesn't fall away, but I think it becomes manageable. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think it makes us realize um, something much bigger. And this human journey is hard, man, you know, and we're, we're, 
we're uh, finding our way and we're misbehaving and people are, you know, not doing their work and we have to deal with the consequences of them not doing their work. And that's really hard. And, um, Mm -hmm. but I think you've been a really great example of, um, how, you know, you had choices at different points, you know, and, and it wasn't that you didn't ride the waves of dysfunction at times, because that's how the only way you could cope with it, you know, it was too raw to look at too close, right? Yeah. And you had, I mean, that's, it all takes its time to get you to that point, um, at which then you make a different choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's certainly there's no textbook of this. No. Right? <laughs> No. And I think, right, we can be given all the information in the world. And I think we need to choose in. It needs to be at the time when we're ready to accept that and, yeah. and use that information and put it into action. Yeah. I actually love this quote I just saw the other day. It's um, like, it's so, it, it goes, and I'll probably botch it, but it's like, it's so funny how so much of finding yourself at, in adulthood is simply getting back to who you were and what you loved as a child. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm like, every time I like think about my childhood or like some of those like really innate moments where we're just like acting on our egos and playing mm-hmm. and laughing yes. and saying, being out there and no cares, you know, I think that those moments really bring us light and joy. And Yeah. Bring us home to ourselves. I think because we get, you know, it, it's, it's a, this human journey is challenging. And I think we come in as these little light beings and, um, you know, our journey is kind of to ride all of this and continue to try to find our way back. And I yep. think when we, I do a, I do a visualization and meditation with people that takes us back to that 10 year old version of ourselves, just so we can reconnect and remember, you know? Yeah. yeah. And there's times for that. And there's, I mean, I think, you know, this has been a wonderful conversation in so many ways with you and you've been so um, open and, and, uh, and sharing your journey, Heather, which um, I know will resonate with many, if not them, someone they know, and that just, um, and here you are, you're, you're still resilient. <laughs> you're still, you know, looking for opportunities to connect with other human beings so we can hold each other's hand through this journey and, um, yeah. There's no greater gift, I don't think. So, but thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for giving me the space to talk about that. Yeah. I think I needed that more than I realized. Yeah. Well, that's my hope. And together, you know, we heal. Yeah.